Amen. Good morning. How are you? Good? I've heard a lot of people say this semester was extra intense. Anybody? Yes? A little bit? Plus the weather. Yeah, that helps. Um, Well, the good thing is semester's almost over, and we're here together. God is good. Um, So today, we are continuing our series on walking with Jesus through the Gospels. Um, We're going to look at actually two different healing testimonies today. Uh, They're both from the book of Mark. Uh, The first one is the healing of blind Bartimaeus, and the second one I'm going to talk about is the healing of the woman with the issue of blood. Um, So before I start, I actually wanted to talk to you a little bit about how we interact with Jesus in the scriptures. Um, So I hope this concept maybe challenges any mindset you might have about this. Um, It might challenge the way you see things a little bit. Um, Any time that you see someone talking to Jesus in the scripture is prayer, if that makes sense. So the next time you read through the Gospels, imagine someone, every time somebody comes up to Jesus and asks him a question, they're talking to Jesus, who is God, they're praying. They don't realize it, maybe. But in my mind, sometimes I like to think of that because it really makes me think, like, that's what I do. I'm talking to Jesus. I pray, Jesus, help me. Father, help me. Like, Jesus and the Father are one, and so anytime we talk to Jesus, you know, it's prayer. And so I just really like to think of that when I read, especially with the healing testimonies and people interacting with him as he was a man on the earth. He's fully God. Um, So, yeah, that's what prayer is, talking to God about all kinds of things. And so um, first we're going to dive into the healing testimony of blind Bartimaeus, and um, I like to call him Blind Bart. Um, (laughs) There's a couple things I really love about Blind Bart, and these are actually true about the woman as well that receives the healing. Um, So the things I love are um, the purity of their requests. They just had such earnest faith. And Hebrews 11, um, 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must first believe that he exists and also that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I also love in these stories, I love the childlikeness and the simplicity and the honesty of their requests. I love the stubbornness of the requests that they make, um, the persistence they have in faith. They're asking for what they need with expectation. And the other thing I really love is the complete abandon, the vulnerability they pursue, they, they present when they ask to be healed. So first of all, we're going to focus on Blind Bart. This account of healing took place right before the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem, which Charlie taught us about a couple weeks ago on Palm Sunday. So Jesus and his disciples are making their way towards Jerusalem for the big Passover celebration. And on the road there, Jesus stops one day and In the presence of just his 12 disciples, he tells them he's going to die once they get to the city. And you can see um, they're walking along. They're almost to Jericho, and they're going to Jerusalem. Um, So he says in Mark 10, he goes, We're going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers. They will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him and kill him. 
and three days later he will rise. And so it's a very clear presentation right before they get there of what to expect. So with that, um, you can keep looking at the map. I'm going to tell you, though, for the Jewish people, you have to understand Passover was a huge deal. Um, it's a cultural but also religious gathering that they would go to every year, once a year. And translate that to our context here in America. Just imagine uh, Washington, D.C. on the 4th of July or Times Square on New Year's Eve in New York. So there's just crushing amount of people coming um, to the city. The word in these verses that describe those crowds, it's actually the same word that they used to describe the way they crushed grapes when they were making wine. And so it's just a very literal explanation of how people are piled on top or stepping on one another. And the reason the Passover was such a big deal, they had to get to the city. They wanted to celebrate the historical connection of the redemption of the Jewish people. Um, they were being oppressed by Egypt, and um, God allowed the final of the ten plagues, which is the plague of death, to literally pass over them, and they were saved. And so that's a huge celebration for the deliverance of their people. Um, so the story of Blind Bart is actually one of my favorites. It has been for many, many years, and it's actually just a very short story. Um, but it's so profound it's actually the last healing testimony that Mark shares in his gospel. And if you guys know me, you know I love a good healing testimony. Um, so it's a pretty straightforward one. Although uh, one of my favorite teachers always says, God plays chess on a board with 15 levels. Have you guys experienced that? The way he just always has another layer, another level of depth to what he's doing. And so in the story, uh, any of the stories you read really... Um, you know, at first glance, it's like, oh, cool, he got healed. But the other, the other thing is um, it teaches us about God's character. It teaches us how he loves interacting with our weakness. He loves our vulnerability and our humanity. And he made us that way. He adores us. So let's read from Mark. Keep in mind, again, they're still right outside the city in a little suburb of Jer Jericho. In Mark 10, it says, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and he said, call him. So they called to the blind man, said, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. And so Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along that road. And this story also appears in Matthew 20. And like I said, it's, you know, it's so short. Let's go ahead and read it again. I'm going to read out of Matthew 20 this time. In Matthew, he reports that there's actually two blind men healed in this encounter. I was researching why that was, and some commentaries conclude that the reason um, that Matthew reports two 
and Mark only reports one, is that Bartimaeus later became a disciple of Jesus. Um, the reason they were able to remember Bartimaeus's name, besides some of the other healings that Jesus had done, it was because later he walked with the disciples. And remember, so there was the 12 apostles, and um, here the word disciple means the broader meaning of devoted follower. So he didn't become, you know, one of the apostles, but the disciples knew him. So let's read out of Matthew 20. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. When they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and called to them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them. He touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Don't you just love this story? I feel like every single phrase in this story is so powerful. Um, so let's just go line by line. I'm going to parse it for meaning as we go. Um, so Mark 10, 48, it starts by highlighting the persistence of Blind Bart's character. It says, many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Wow. Just think of the tenacity of doing this in front of all the people that you know and, and who take care of you on a day-to-day -day basis. Imagine yourself doing this. Like if it were me, I, I feel like if you guys, every single one of you told me not to do it, um, to approach a complete stranger and ask them to heal me, I'd probably be like, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm being a little crazy. I'd probably, I'd probably give up. And I'd probably be like, you know, everybody else is probably right. And maybe when your friends are with you, maybe you feel pressure to act a certain way or use certain language or, or just in any social expectation. Maybe they don't actually say it to you, but you feel the pressure. We feel those unwritten rules, those unspoken expectations of the people around us, and we try not to ruffle feathers, right? We kind of uh, go along with it, and in trying to be polite, we end up being silenced. But check it out. When a blind guy is desperate to get healed, all that goes out the window. He wants to see. So he cried out all the more in the face of all the voices in his world that were telling him to be quiet. The cries of the blind men, son of David, have mercy on me. That's a prayer right? It's kind of weird to think of it, but it gives it a more relatable feel. It brings my prayer life in a way that I can understand. It's just talking to Jesus, cry out for healing like, like I do every day in my life, or crying out for breakthrough. Another thing that I think all of us experience, the thing that keeps us from crying out all the more, is that little friend we have, the voice in our head. It's our constant companion. It's in our mind. It's that little voice that trips us up. And so we actually, we have a real enemy. Um, he is lurking and he tells us lies. It makes us really easily, uh, easily susceptible to believe just the whispered lies that he plants in our heads. Stuff that sounds like, you should probably calm down a little bit about all that. Maybe... Um, 
you know, you'll end up looking stupid. He probably can't heal you anyway, so why put yourself out there and even ask? You know he won't do it. Spare yourself the embarrassment. Or maybe it's easier to excuse things and say, I'm too tired right now. I don't want to pray for you. I'm I'm, kind of tired. I'm going to go rest. I'll pray for you later. The thing is, though, we really have to remember not to lose heart. Just like blind Bartimaeus, we have to press in for the miracle. He pressed in for a greater measure of God's presence. Another place... It's, it's actually funny, blind Bartimaeus is mentioned in Luke 18, which is the chapter on persistence. It's the story right after the parable of the persistent widow. Everybody say persist. Persist. Like little snakes. <laughs> we talked about the persistent widow a couple weeks ago when Caleb preached on prayer. The segment about the persistent widow gives us an understanding of God's desire for us to pray. He wants to partner with us. He wants to fulfill the desires of our hearts. And Luke 18 says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable, and the reason was to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he put them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Another time in Matthew 7, Jesus implores us, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And so at the risk of sounding repetitive, ask, seek, and knock persistence. He's so kind to answer, even if the persistence takes you running in the opposite direction of everyone around you. If you hear his voice, run to him and pursue his goodness, and that's what Blind Bart did. And the next verse, 1049, it says, on your feet, he's calling you. And I just, I cracked myself up when I was reading this story. I just love that phrase, on your feet, he's calling you. Can you imagine that on a t-shirt, like some H2O swag that says, on your feet, like it's such a call to action, Charlie knows, it's going to be on a t-shirt. Like what a cool testimony, like he is, he's calling, let's get on our feet. I don't know, I'm a nerd, I like it. So imagine here's Blind Bart sitting on his mat, middle of Times Square, just some random little blind guy looking around, you know, he's trying to use his ears, that's pretty much all he has. He's trying to find Jesus in this multitude of people. From my experience and from what I know, it sounds impossible. Have you, how many of you have interacted with any blind individuals? And it's okay if you haven't, but oh, a lot of you have. So you're familiar with their mannerisms, the way they kind of, they function, they have to, they do certain things to survive and to just get around. Um... Most of you guys know I'm a sign language interpreter by trade, and so that, working with the deaf community, has brought me into a cross-section of blind people. Um, I've worked with a lot of deaf-blind individuals, some of the most incredibly resilient and fearless people. They astound me. So 
I have a lot of blind friends, and they would be the first ones to tell you it's really hard to find someone, and it's pretty awkward when you're trying to find one man out of like a million. It's kind of hard. So I just want you to picture this. Maybe, maybe you know, they're not facing, like if I was trying to face someone that's standing right here, maybe they're going to walk like right here. And it's embarrassing because they don't really know exactly where you are. And that's not to make fun. That's like, that's just the way it is. Um, so just picture blind Bartimaeus, you know, eyebrows up, neck crane. He's in the wrong direction, searching frantically for this man. He has one moment. Jesus is walking by. He's not stopping. He has one moment to encounter his healer, right? He's on a mission. So this is why he has a window of time, and his friends are no help. They're like, dude, shut up. Can you calm down? And he actually says, no, I don't want to. So he cries out, and he says, um, you know, son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus, Jesus gets him pointing in the right direction. He's like, okay, there's like all these people following me. Hold on, guys. There's a guy here that needs help. And he says, call him to me. This is just such a cool moment. I actually wanted to illustrate it with you. Um, I have Becca helping me today. We're just going to show you. And so here comes uh, blind Bartimaeus. And so if you could close your eyes for me and pretend like you're blind and think about how that would change everything. Now, what if I asked you to stand up, throw your clothes off, and get over here? Do you need to open your eyes? It's kind of hard, especially because we're in this auditorium with these um, crazy stairs. I pretty much fall down them every time, and I have my eyes. Um, all right, so here he comes. So Blind Bart does not have a white cane from the National Federation of the Blind. He does not have a service dog, unfortunately. I know we all love those. <laughs> you can open your eyes. <laughs> So, <laughs> you guys are faithful blind people. Thank you. All right, so imagine, again, like we're, we're here. Here comes blind Bart. Um, yeah, he's going to try to get to me. I said, call him. And so maybe I'm over here, right? I'm not actually going to trip you. I told her to be careful. So maybe he, you know, he's like, hey, I'm right here. He found me, right? this. He's this close. It says he touches his face. And so um, the word that they use actually is sozo. It says he was made well. And so Jesus didn't just heal him in the eyeballs. He offered him something that says, I'm making you whole I am making you safe. That's the definition of that Greek word, sozo. I will make you safe. And it also says to be rescued completely and safely from destruction. And how dramatic is that, right? He's like, I just wanted to see. And Jesus is like, I have made you sozo. I have made you complete. And so he's here and he says, go. And he says, go. Your faith has made you sozo. Like, what incredible love. Thank you, Becca. 
That's quite the challenge, isn't it, for Blind Bart to issue. Um, there's a song that I love, and some of the lyrics are, um, how far will you let me go? How abandoned will you let me be? Um, that song, I heard that you know, 20 years ago. It resounds in my spirit because I'm like, how often do we say, I'm doing enough. I feel like I'm pretty on top of things. But here is a life of abandon, just this moment in his life that changed everything. Verse 50 says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Dude throws off anything that would hinder love. He casts off restraint, like his cloak. You know, that's not really that big of a deal. I'm sure he used it every day. But he thinks it might slow him down. He is getting rid of that thing. I feel like if I were him, if I knew Jesus was coming and I was sitting in the dirt, I'd probably get up and put my cardigan back on. I would kind of, you know, adjust things, dust the dirt off. You know, this is Jesus. Like, first impressions count, okay? I'm going to meet Jesus. I'm going to kind of put my stuff together. But he's like, no. He throws it off. He doesn't care. This is, and his cloak was what is keeping him modest. So he's no more modesty. He doesn't care. He is not only willing but enthusiastic to look like an idiot to get to Jesus. He wants the attention of his healer, and he wants to get to Jesus. So with that in mind, let's um, pause on Blind Bart. I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about um, our second healing testimony. Um, And this one really talks about vulnerability and gratitude. Um, The second testimony is still in Mark. It is the healing of the woman with the issue of blood. And I'm sure that you're familiar with the story. It's a pretty uncomfortable story, kind of embarrassing for this lady. Um, It says a large crowd, again, he's in a crowd. A large crowd followed pressed around him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? And all the people crowding around, his disciples said, how do you ask who touched me? Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at, her, at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And he said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And so like I said, you know, her ailment, is, it's a very uncomfortable topic. It was a very shameful thing. But it's really cool because by studying her testimony, we are forced to enter her embarrassment. We're forced to sense a little bit of that vulnerability that she had. The story, I think it would lose its power if it lost its awkwardness. And Mark is showcasing how deeply Jesus cares about our personal, our very private needs. Just like Blind Bart, she flies in the face of social pressures just to make her way to him. 
For most of us, and I think this is true, our greatest need, our greatest need for healing is something intensely private. Blind Bart's ailment, although it was obvious to other people, you know, you can tell he's blind, it's very private and personal. Your sense of sight is how you interact with what's in front of you. It's very personal. And we have a tendency to hide what needs healed. Maybe for you it's a physical limitation or a weakness or a habit or a past sin. Maybe, this is my testimony, maybe it's an area of inner brokenness you don't even know needs to be healed. And it's hidden even from yourself sometimes and especially from other people. So our secrets are our places of extreme vulnerability and they're our places of greatest need. I'm willing to bet most of the time none of us express the need and that's because of what people would think of us. It's a defense mechanism because of the way we want to be perceived socially and we want to maintain said reputation. But this woman, she was legally defiled actually. Doesn't that word make your skin crawl if you were labeled defiled in your community? Can you think of any other greater shame? Not only that, in Numbers, the law said, whatever this person touches will be unclean. It's not even just her. And so she's forbidden to go to public, even to be seen, and going out would put everyone around her at risk, and they would not appreciate that. So she was keenly aware of her reality. She lived in rejection. People knew she was unclean. This is the high price she paid to get to her king. She laid it all on the line, pushing through the crowd. How many people did she touch on her way? They're all unclean until she's healed. It's a powerful image of raw vulnerability and hunger for God. In the most embarrassing way, she's been publicly shamed and cast out of her society. Blind Bart and the woman are both mentioned because they've thrown themselves to the mercy of Jesus trusting in blind faith that he will not fail them. I mean, you know, think about a total stranger. If you are encountering Jesus for the first time, yeah, he's a celebrity in town. He's well known for his reputation of healings and and deliverance and miracles. But when you are face-to-face with him and the rubber meets the road, these people had to make a decision. Is he going to be the real deal or am I going to be safe? because you can't have both. The trust shows that they laid themselves bare, gave up their dignity, that he wouldn't reject them. It is blind faith, and that's why it's so powerful. So at the end of Mark 10, we're going to go back to blind Bart. Um, He's cast off his his robe. He has been very vulnerable, um, thrown off all the things that would slow him down, and risked his reputation. But the result of that was he was personally invited to come receive personal ministry by Jesus. Like what a huge risk he took, but it really paid off. In Luke 18, at the end, I'll just highlight one of the end phrases. Luke 18 says, Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his his sight and followed Jesus Praising God. 
And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. Did you catch that? The same crowd who was encouraging him, give it up, man, be quiet. This dude is, first of all, way too important, way too busy for you. Don't be a bother. Like, they're the same ones. They immediately changed their tune, and they, they immediately praised God with him because of the miracle. Can you imagine what that would be like? If in our earnest longing for a miracle, if on our earnest longing for a radical encounter with the man Christ Jesus, what if the people around us joined in our praises and began to glorify God because of the way we cried out to him when we were blind, naked, and poor? What would that look like? What if in our vulnerability God was made famous? So not only did Blind Bart get the honor of being personally invited to be ministered to by Jesus, he walked with him for possibly the rest of that time period before Jesus died. It says he joined him on the road and kept walking. He fell into stride with his healer and followed him into the city. He didn't look back. He didn't gather up you know, the cloak he threw down. He didn't go back to get it. He just walked on, and he was just like, did you guys see that? I was blind a minute ago. I am not blind. He kept walking, and he, you know, you just on the road, they're just, can you believe what just happened? I can't imagine all the talking they were doing as they were walking. That's just incredible. Um, so, yeah, so I'm just moved by the persistence and the vulnerability and the gratitude of these people that have been radically encountered by Jesus. So I have a few thoughts to leave with you, a couple of our traditional takeaways, and I've also... Um, I'd like to issue a challenge. The first one is, in what areas or area of your life are you casting off restraint? How are you throwing caution to the wind and crying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I want to see. There's areas in my life I want breakthrough with. I want to see him clearly. I want to hear him clearly. I want to be sensitive. I want to walk in miracles. The second one is a little bit tricky. Um, I would like to issue a challenge to you and to take an honest look at your life. Take it home and wrestle with it. And, and this is not opposed in judgment or shame. I am asking myself this. In what areas of your life are you shushing yourself and those around you when all you really need to do is live with complete abandon and cry out to your healer? Are you shutting yourself down when you feel like you should pray for someone? Are you shutting your own self down when you feel Holy Spirit prompting you maybe to share the gospel in the, in the grocery line or at the gas pump when someone's obviously hurting and you shut yourself down because maybe I'm going to bother them? And I'm not saying to do more things or check off more boxes of activity. I'm saying when you need to cast off your outer garment and run to him, run to him. And so this morning I was preparing and you know, I was running through my notes, thinking about all the things I was going to share with you today. And, and I did not have peace about this sermon um, and that's because I really feel like God is calling me to be a little bit more vulnerable with you um, than I had in my notes. And so I added my testimony 
um, there's just a short segment I'd like to share with you. Um, sharing like a sermon sometimes is easy to get away with not being completely transparent or or being like, gosh, what would Beth Moore do? Or like, I'm just like, you know, how, you know, there's not a lot of examples out there, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, who am I? Who is this person who's sharing this story with these people? And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to share with you something that's very important to me. It's a piece of my life story. Um, it's life, and it's because God is so good, and he's brought me out of such darkness. Um, you know, he, in John 9, it says that we're given issues to be healed from so that the works of God would be displayed in us. And so I'm going to share this just brief testimony with you because God is good. Um, and I've never shared this before, so you guys, uh, thank you for being patient with me. <laughs> but when I was 12, um, some of you know I was 12, and um, my older sibling, he's my only sibling, my brother, um, he was killed in a car accident. Uh, it was my first day of summer break after, I think, sixth grade, um, right in the afternoon, uh, first day of summer break, and he died in a car accident in the middle of the afternoon. Um, and, you know, through that time after he passed away, he was five years older than me, and we were best friends. He was, you know, my only sibling. God was so good to our family during that time. The three of us, we were left to cope and to figure it out, and my parents up there, they're just so great. Um, but we walked through that time, and after that, <laughs> I, um, I developed an eating disorder. And, you know, some people, they turn to cutting or drinking. And by the grace of God, I did not do that. But I developed an eating disorder, and I, um, I struggled with highly restrictive eating and binging and purging all the way from 1999 until 2011. I experienced an incredible healing, uh, incredible healing moment in 2011. Um, and God is so kind. You know, it was something, like I said before, I didn't even know I needed healing from it. It was something I just lived with, like, well, this is what I do. You know, got to look good or whatever. It's just something I didn't even have a conscious thought about. But he delivered me. And I don't know if any of you have something like that in your life. But he will deliver you from the darkness that you are in. And um, so since 2011, I've lived in freedom from this. And I have to tell you, he is a God of life. He's so kind, and he wants to sozo heal you. Um, so as the worship team comes, I have a third takeaway. Um, this is something that changed my life. There's two phrases I'd like to share with you. Um, just start to internalize these and implement them in your spiritual walk. Um, the two phrases are personal encounter and experiential knowledge. They're kind of big, chunky phrases, but try to use them even this week in your prayer life or in, in a conversation with someone, and tell me you don't love it. So the testimonies we see of healing in the gospel... They're all about experiential knowledge by way of deep personal encounter. So, um, you know, just like we talked about the woman with her very, very personal need. 
Most of our need comes from a very deep place of the personal vulnerable spot. So I challenge you, how can you live an ongoing personal encounter? Not just your grace story when you get saved or the one moment you remember back 20 years ago or five years ago. I'm talking about a lifetime of these types of experiences. And it's not about gathering information. I say experiential knowledge. It's because it comes from your gut. It's not about, you know, cramming for the test, passing the test, and then forgetting everything. Life is about meeting the people on the road and sharing your life with them. It's the difference between being able to tell someone that you've been scuba diving versus going into the deep of the ocean, seeing the crystal blue, seeing the sun shimmer on the water, and knowing in your belly his beauty. So today we have the honor of taking communion. Um, We share this as a family every month. Um, I'm just going to close by inviting you to take communion today. Um, We're going to play three songs, and the band is going to sing any time during the next three songs. You can feel free to go to the back. Um, There's allergen-sensitive options. We pause to take communion because... We remember his sacrifice. Isaiah 53 says, by his wounds we are healed. Again, it's the sozo healing he offers. And so if you're, you know, if you've been saved and by grace we're saved through faith, just remember his goodness. And Luke 22 tells the story of the Last Supper. He took the bread and he took the cup and he blessed it and he said, Take this in remembrance of me. This is the blood and my body of the new covenant. Take and remember. Do this in remembrance of me. And so just as you pause, as we, as we sing, just think through that. Think about how we're made whole, made safe, and delivered fully from destruction that we deserve. So Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Um, God, thank you for... Everyone here, God, I just ask that you would continue to do a work in us. I thank you for the ways that you've healed each of us already. And that, God, we're just looking forward to what you're going to do next. I ask that you would give us each personal encounter and experiential knowledge of your goodness, God. Yeah, so Lord, we just thank you. We praise your name, God. In Jesus' name, amen.